Okay, let's jump right in. We will be in Ephesians chapter number five. Excited about starting a new chapter. So before uh, we get started uh, in verse number one, it starts out and he says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. So uh, just a Bible study note for everyone. I've said this before. Uh, Anytime you see the word therefore or wherefore, that is because they are referencing the previous verses. So they're saying, because of these things, therefore we should do this. Or because of these things, wherefore this is what we should do. So if we're really going to understand the first part of chapter number 5, we have to do a little bit of a review of the last few verses in uh, chapter number 4. So if you can remember from last week, if you were here, uh, it says uh, in verse number 29, Let no corrupt communication be out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Uh, So we're not supposed to have corrupt communication. Uh, We're supposed to only speak those things that edify or build people up and that minister grace to people. And we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, Then in verse 31, he said, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, evil speaking, be put away with all malice. So Paul named those things. And you have to understand the situation that Paul was writing. He was writing to the church in Ephesus that had several problems. They, they, there were a lot of uh, new believers there, but there were also uh, some believers that were when Paul <clears throat> originally uh, founded the church. But there was a lot of false doctrines being taught. You have to understand the situation of where it was. They did not have Paul's writings to read and to apply to their life because that's what Paul was writing to them. Uh, so we would say, well, these things, how could, how could these things be in the church? How could these things be in Christians? It's because what they had, they had an epidemic of, there, there was this, false teaching that was taking place that said uh, God loves to forgive sin, that it's a pleasure for God to forgive sin. Therefore, it's okay to sin because now by asking forgiveness for that, you're giving God pleasure because he's able to forgive your sin, which that's contrary. <laughs> we, we, we know that's contrary, but you have to understand, then they didn't have the word of God. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They didn't have uh, uh, Genesis through Revelation. To, they didn't have Paul's writing. Uh, so they were easily deceived. Now, unfortunately, people today that have the full word of God are still very easily deceived. So we're not casting stones at them, but this is why Paul, and I said uh, last time that, uh, you know, when when preachers uh, preach on sin, that's great. But when they start naming specific sins, that's when you can get in trouble. But Paul was, uh, he, he, was, he was not pulling any punches. He named all these things. And then he said in verse number 32, so he tells us what not to do. Then in verse 32, he says, tells us what to do. Be kind one to another. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sakes has forgiven you. 
So that's the, the, the recap. And then we get into verse number one. He said, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. So what he's saying is, is because when, when we put away the old man, all those things that he named, the bitterness, the wrath, the anger, the clamor, and put on the new man, uh, that's uh, tenderheartedness, being kind, forgiving, uh, loving one another, uh, and forgiving one another. Because of that, he says, now we need to be followers of God as dear children. So that word followers right there is an interesting word. It is a Greek word uh, that is mimetius, which literally means an imitator. So mimetius is where we get our, our word mimic, to mimic somebody, uh, to, to not to mock someone, but to uh, if, if they say a certain thing, we say it and we mimic them. We, we um, <clears throat> imitate them, so to speak. So Paul was saying that we should be imitators of God as Christians, as children of God, because we are born into the family of God. So if you think about it, how many of, of us did this when we were little? And if you have kids, uh, especially if you had sons, uh, you know, my, my sons, when they, were, when they were small, four and five years old, they were always in my way. They were always underfoot. I couldn't do anything. Why? Because they wanted to do what dad was doing. They, if I was fixing the lawnmower, they wanted to fix the lawnmower. They wanted to have a screwdriver in their hand. They were trying to do everything that I was doing. And you see that. You see uh, little kids. What, what, what do little girls do? Well, they get, they get to play kitchens, and they, they fix soup, and they fix pies, and they're, you know, it's all pretend, but what, what are they doing? They're mimicking their mother. They're mimi they mimic, uh, boys mimic their father. Uh, and that's what he's saying because we're children of God we should be more like God we should be more like Christ and we should mimic him and and those things that are listed in uh, really verse 28 all the way down through verse 32 of chapter number four that's where he's saying God God does not do these things and God does do these things so now he's saying that because we're children of God we should mimic him we should be like him that's where we get the word Christian. That's what the word Christian means. It means Christ-like. Now, unfortunately, and all of us can probably say this at one time or another in our lives, that we call it, there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians, but they're not Christ-like. They're carnal. They're cold and indifferent on God. They're living a life that's not pleasing to God. They're doing things that are not pleasing uh, to our Heavenly Father. But we still call ourselves Christians even though sometimes we're not Christ-like. Now that doesn't mean God doesn't expect us to be sinless or to be perfect because he knows our limitations. But what he does expect, there is an expectation of effort to not sin. There is an expectation of effort to do right. That is 100% expected and that's what Paul is teaching here. Now when he says, uh, as dear children... That word dear means beloved. So if we're, if we're beloved children, we're, we, we should... See, if you, have a, if you have a man that mistreats his kids, those children don't want to be like their dad if he's mean to them. Does that make sense? But if he loves them and showers them with love and hugs and kisses and praise, they want to be more like him. 
The same thing with the mother. They will want to be more like the mother. Uh, so we're beloved children of, of God. We're not just children of God. You have to understand and always remember that we, the, God paid a huge price for us. And that was the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He laid down his life so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He paid a price that we couldn't pay. And he didn't do that because he hated us. He did that because he loved us. So we are beloved. You know, a lot of times, now listen, God, God is a God of wrath and God is a God of justice, okay? And the Bible tells us that when we step out of line, he, he chastises those whom he loves. He rebukes and chastises. But you have to understand, he rebukes and chastises. That verse says, those whom he loves, he, he rebukes and chastises. So we got to always remember that God is not setting up on his throne just waiting for us to mess up so he can zap us. He loves us. He, want, he wants what is best for us. We are beloved. We are precious to him. And a lot of times we think that little children are precious to God. Well, us adults are just as precious to God. And we have to always remember that God loves us and wants the best for us. And if we're children of God, we should be imitating our Father. So then in verse number 2, he says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, for a sweet-smelling savor. Now, Paul finished up chapter 4 by naming all these things we shouldn't do and these things that we should do. Then in verse number 1, he says that we should be more like God. We should imitate Him because we are beloved children of His. And then he tells us to walk in love. So this word walk here means how we live our life. It means our lifestyle and how we interact with other people. It doesn't mean actually walking down the street. It means how we live and how and what we do. So we have to walk. How should we live? What should, I, what should our whole life be based on? It should be based on love. You see, God tells us to forgive people. Why, why do we forgive people? Because we love people. Why do we witness to people? Because we hate them and no, because we love them. That, that's why we share the gospel with lost is because we love them. So our whole life should be walking in love. Now this word love is, as we talked about several times in chapter number four, is the word, the Greek word agape, which sometimes is translated as charity because this is the greatest kind of love. This is the love of God. The love that is extended as charity expecting nothing in return. No strings attached. You see, Jesus Christ died on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So he did that with no strings attached. He didn't say, well, I'll die if you live right. He didn't say, I'll die if... 50% of the people accept my sacrifice. He died if, if it was just the, me and you that would accept the, the sacrifice for our sins, Jesus Christ still would have died, even if it was just for one. But he laid his life down for the entire world. And that's the kind of love that we should be walking in. When he says walk in love, he's saying walk in agape love. 
Too many times we choose to love people only when we think we can get something out of them. We choose to love people. And, and look, we're all, we're all human and we all have uh, things in our mind and, and, and we have different feelings and thoughts. But the thing about it is, think about if we saw a, a family, a young couple with two young kids, they come in the church to visit, they're dressed really, really nice, and their kids are really well behaved, we would go up and welcome them, wouldn't we? We would want them to be a part of our fellowship. Well, what if somebody comes in and the guy's got on a sleeveless shirt and he's covered with tattoos and his wife's got tattoos all over her and they're not dressed the way we think you should dress uh, necessarily for a church service and their kids are rowdy and mean? Are we going to love those people just as much as we do the ones with well-behaved kids, the ones that look nice? We should, but do we? See, that's, the, that's where he's talking about walk in love. Love is not the kind of, this agape love is not an, a love where we pick and choose who we love and how much. We love everybody. See, Jesus Christ loved everybody the same. He didn't love you more than he did me because you're a better person than I am. He loves us all equally. He laid his life down for all of us. Because when Jesus Christ died for our sins, you and I were not worth it. We were not lovable at the time, and he loved us anyway, in spite of who we were and what we were. And listen to this. It goes further. He says, walk in love as Christ also has loved us. So what did Christ do for us? He took, he took somebody like you and I who wasn't worth anything and gave the ultimate sacrifice. And Paul says that we should walk in love as Christ did. So what should we do? We should sacrifice for our fellow man. Now our fellow Christian, our, the, the, our fellow unbeliever, whoever it is. You see, a lot of times people think, well, every time the Bible's talking about that we should, that we should love, that, that's just talking about we should love other Christians. That, no, 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 no. Walk in love. See, Jesus Christ loved us when we hated him. <coughs> Jesus Christ hung on the cross. And what, what did he say on the cross? He prayed a prayer. He didn't pray, Father, get me off this cross. He didn't say, Father, let this pain go away. He said, Father, forgive them. In the very midst of being beaten, abused, nailed to a cross, stabbed in the side with a spear, crown of thorns shoved on his head, what did Christ do? He said, forgive them. So what do we do? What does our flesh want to do when somebody wrongs us? We want to attack. But that's not, that's not walking like Christ. In the midst of the meanest thing that somebody has ever done to you, we should look at them and walk a lifestyle of love, and we should forgive them. And we talked uh, the other uh, a few weeks ago about how that forgiveness was not dependent on somebody asking for it. Because Jesus Christ hung on the cross and forgave all those people that were torturing him. None of them asked for it. None of them wanted it. But they still got forgiveness for it. So we should walk in love. We should live our lives every day in a spirit of love, giving to others and expecting nothing in return, just like God did for us. Now, God, we have to ask ourselves the question, what is God? Well, God is love. John First uh, John 4, 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. 
You talk about something that's harsh. He that loveth not knoweth not God because God is love. Now, that, what that's saying is if, if we can live our lives and have hate and bitterness in our heart, not just maybe toward one person that did us wrong, but to everybody. You've seen those people that just hate everybody. They don't like anybody. Okay? They're not walking. I, and I'm not saying that they're necessarily lost. Probably are. But if, if, they're, if they are saved, they're extremely carnal. Because the, uh, John said, He that loveth not knoweth not God. Because God is love. That, that's what God is. What is God? He's love. And, if, and if, the, if the Holy Spirit of God lives within our heart, this, is, this has been a true saying for, for many years. Whatever's inside eventually is going to come out. We can fake it for a little while, but eventually it's going to come out. And you want to know when our true selves usually comes to the surface? When we're under a lot of pressure or when we're really angry. That's when the true self... You see, because if you, if you see somebody that never curses... I'm just going to use this as an example, okay? If you, if you see somebody that never curses, but when they hit their thumb with a hammer, they lay out some curse words, they were, they, that's probably not the first time they've cursed. You see what I'm saying? They probably curse a lot when you're not around. Because at that moment, who they truly are comes out. When somebody does you wrong at work and you explode and, and you try to get them fired and you go behind their back to the boss and you do all these mean things to them, that's when your true self comes out. Are we, are we truly a Christian that truly loves people or do we have bitterness and hate in our heart? Now this word love, this agape word, <laughs> Paul is a real big fan of it. Uh, I'm only going through the book of Ephesians to where we are now. Uh, but Ephesians 1.4, he said for us to be before him, before God in love. Ephesians 1.15, he said love unto all the saints. Ephesians 2.4, his great love wherewith he loved us. Ephesians 3.17, being rooted and grounded in love. So he tells us in chapter 3 to be rooted and grounded in love. And he tells us here in chapter 5 that we should walk in love. See, it's a continuing theme with the Apostle Paul. Uh, Ephesians 3.19 says to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Ephesians 4.2 for bearing one another in love. Ephesians 4.15 speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4.16 the edifying of itself in love. All of those are the word agape which is that selfless love. It is the love see when and that's why it's translated as charity because if we give $100 to a charity, we don't expect anything. But if, if I give $100 to Walmart, I expect something. <laughs> right? I expect my groceries, right? So if, if, if I do one of those online orders and I get there and, I've, and they've already taken the money out of my account and I get there to pick it up and they say, yeah, we're not going to give you any groceries, they're going to give me my $100 back because... I gave them $100 with the expectation that I was going to get my groceries. So that's not charity, okay? That's buying and selling. We're talking about charity. That's when you give somebody something. And anytime we think about giving, everybody's mind always goes to money. But let me tell you something, folks. There is something that we can give that is so much more important, so much more needed, and so much more valuable than cash. 
and that's ourselves. That's ourselves. It's when you give a piece of yourself to somebody else. When they're hurting and you sit down and you take time to just listen to them and let them bear their soul. See, a lot of times when we're, in, when we're hurting and when we're in trouble and we're having troubles in our life, a lot of times it's not that people want you to fix it for them. They just need somebody to talk to about it. How many times do we ask somebody, hey, how are you? And you're not really, you don't really care how they are. It's just a common greeting that we use, isn't it? And sometimes, this has probably happened to all of us, sometimes you go, hey, how are you? Expecting, I'm good, how are you? They go, oh man, life is terrible. I've, I've got this and that, and you're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, I, I really don't have time to talk. It was just, how are you in passing? I, I wasn't really asking you to tell me how you were, but you see, and a lot of times, that's our mindset because we're human, not because we're bad people. It's because we're human. So we should ask, how are you? Because we truly care about how the other person is. It shouldn't be just a passing greeting. First Peter 4 and 8 says, above all things. This is what Peter said. Above all things. More important than church membership. More important than church attendance. More important than reading your Bible. More important than giving your tithes. More important than singing a special or singing in the choir. More important, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Now this word charity in 1 Peter 4.8 is agape. Sometimes agape is translated as the word, English word love, and sometimes it's translate, translated as the English word charity. So that word fervent means without ceasing. And agape means the, the uh, one-way love, no strings attached, expecting nothing in return. So Peter said, above all things, we should fervently, without ceasing, have agape love for other people. You see, because if, you, if, if we come to a church service and we have perfect attendance at church and we sing specials and, and we're always here and we pay our tithes, but yet we don't show people love, we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Because uh, more important, I'm not saying that other stuff's not important. It is important. But more important than anything that we do, it has to be done with an attitude of love. That's, that's what we are. That's why Paul said, walk in love. Live our lives in love. Peter said fervent charity without ceasing love. So what does that mean? That means when my earthly brother, my earthly sister or my uh, spiritual brother and sister or my next door neighbor, when they do me wrong what, what should I do? I should love them and forgive them. And if they do me wrong the next day, what should I do? I should love them and forgive them. And the next day, they do me wrong again. They talk about me behind my back. What should I do? I should walk in love, and I should love them and forgive them. Here's the thing. If you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty with it, when somebody does us wrong and we do something back to them, that's what they wanted. But what does the Bible say? He said, if we do good to them... We heap coals of fire upon their head. So if you really don't like that person and that person's really making your life miserable, you want to know what you should do? You should go out of your way to do something nice for them because that'll really make them mad. That's what the Word of God says. It'll heap coals of... Because they, 
their anger and hatred towards you wants a response. And when you respond to that with love, that drives them crazy. So, and I'm not talking about a fake love. You really have to love that person. And you do something kind and you do something good for them. Every time they do us dirty, we do something good for them. That will drive them crazy. But you want to know what it really does? It allows the Holy Spirit of God to convict their heart. You, we will never get anybody saved by being as mean to them as they are to us. Nobody will ever come to know Christ when we're getting even. But when we go out of our way to show the love of God, that will allow the Holy Spirit to convict that heart. And you may not ever know that what you did was the reason why five years later they got saved. You might, may, may not even know five years later that they got saved because you changed jobs or whatever and you're not around them anymore. How many people are going to come up to us in heaven and say, I am here because you did this. I am here because I heard you say this. I am here because you did this for me. That fervent charity is a godly love that expects nothing in returns. That will cover a multitude of sins. You see, when we have charity, when we have agape love for people, it covers a multitude of sins. What that means is, is they can do a multitude of things to us, but it's still covered. It's still forgiven. So when we have charity, that will cover a multitude of sins. And then in verse number 2, what, what did it say that we, we should love as Christ loved? And then he gave examples. Because he gave himself for us. So what should we do? We should give of ourselves to other people. There's, I'm just going to throw this example out there. There's things that we do at Christmas. We, we will uh, give fruit baskets to people. Uh, we'll go get a get a angel off the angel tree and buy some uh, a child that's um, you know um, not got a lot of money or whatever. Their parents may not be able to buy them something, and we buy them a gift. You, you know what we we could do instead? Instead of just buying them a present and sending it to them, why, why don't we why don't we go spend time with them? Why don't we give them the gift and then get down in the floor and play with it? Play with them with whatever we bought them. Why don't we take them out to McDonald's for a cheeseburger? Did you know there's... See, here's the thing. All of us probably eat out at least five or six times a week. Run through a drive through and get a hamburger or whatever. Do you realize that there are children right here in the Tri-Cities area that they might get to go to McDonald's once every three or four months? And you taking them to McDonald's, you, you're not going to miss that $5. You, you'll never even know it's gone. But that would mean the world to that person. Because I'm going to tell you, when I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. For us to go eat out, about once a month we would go eat out. And it wouldn't be at a steakhouse. It would be McDonald's or Burger King. I, I eat out more now, honestly, as an adult man, in a week than I did in three months as a kid. I, I, I would eat more restaurant food in a week than I did as a kid in three months. And thank God for that. But we can't forget the way I grew up 
there's, there's people that live right here in our community that's, that's living the life that some of us did when we grew up and had nothing. And sometimes we forget that. But we need uh, to have an attitude and a mindset of love. So he gave himself. He surrendered himself. He, was, he gave an offering and a sacrifice. See, Christ didn't send money. Christ didn't send an angel. Christ gave himself. He sacrificed himself. He gave himself as an offering. And it was a sweet-smelling savor. If you really want to please your heavenly Father, show love for somebody that doesn't deserve it. Show love for somebody that does deserve it. When we walk in love and when we give of ourselves to other people, that is a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of a holy God. Love is a fundamental factor to a Christian life. Romans 13.8 says, Owe no man anything but what? To love one another. For he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. So if you love one another, you fulfilled the law. What if you don't love? then you fell short of the law. Romans 8, 5 through 8. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see, when we don't live a life of love and we don't walk in love, we're not going to have life and peace. A lot of times as Christians, we why, you know, why am, why am I so upset? Why does everything seem so wrong? Maybe it's because we're not living and walking in love. The carnal mind is enmity or enemy against God. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Ephesians 4.31, he talked about bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. These are all works of the flesh. A person that is carnal is driven by the flesh and they, listen, when we are in the flesh, we are self-centered and have an inward focus. You see, selfishness is not love. It's love for ourselves. It's not the agape love. So when we, when we see our lives and we see other people, that's when we know uh, we can see... Um, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, he says, Every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. So we're not to judge other people, but we can look at our own lives and we look, can look at other people's lives. If somebody's living a life of selfishness and have hate and bitterness and wrath and anger in their heart, they're not right with God. And if you're living that way, you're not right with God. And when I get that way, I'm not right with God. Okay, so we will stop there and we'll pick up in verse number three next week.